Guys, welcome again uh, to another episode of Coffee with Mirko, a show where we talk with coffee professionals from all over the world uh, to bring you some knowledge, tips, inspiration, motivation uh, for your coffee journey and not only, even as well as business. So, as usual, uh, before I introduce the next guest, I will brew myself a cup of coffee. So, uh, get yourself yours, get yourself a cup of coffee because uh, we're going to have a good chat today with our friend Simon Gautarin. Um is a French barista, um, SCA, specialized and qualified, is also a Q grader and is just a good um, personality in the coffee industry. Um, he's a, a trainer, educator and he really knows his stuff. So, Today we're brewing an arrow press as usual. This is my favorite method at home as a filter. Welcome everyone. Uh, so once we brew the coffee, we'll be talking with Simon. Um, he actually works at a company that I used to work for. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit. Um, so if you're interested in coffee, uh, this is exactly the place to be. Uh, Simon is really well-educated um, and well-knowledgeable when it comes down to coffee, uh, sensory uh, especially. Uh, but we're gonna ask him about his journey and uh, yeah, stay tuned. So this is Dan. Simon is in the house. I'm sure he recognizes this mug. Um, it's time to say hi to a few of you guys. Hey, Cafe Moya or Moja, Cafe Quib. Alex, Ali, uh, Mattia Alviv, Jesus, what's good? I hope you guys are all safe. Hassan Cafe, hope you guys are safe. Uh, today we're brewing a local roaster called Greenlock Coffee Roasters. It's a natural Mexican filter coffee. And uh, my very loyal AeroPress, which it never, it never fails you. Um, Cafe, three little birds what's good. Um, so once we plunge this, we're gonna chit chat with Simon and uh, I'm looking forward to meet him and uh, have a good chat about coffee. Usually we got 60 seconds. If you wanna ask questions, send them through. I might read them straight away or in a few minutes. Uh, and this is a good chance if you wanna learn more about coffee because he's really all about education and uh, he really explained lots of Complicated things in a very simple manner, so it's a good it's a good chance for you to uh, to, to 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 learn a thing or two. Um, hey, Saud, Luke, Tyron, and uh, I build and create. How's everyone? Um, our guest will join us very shortly, literally in a matter of minutes. Um, just once I finish plunging this, and uh, then we can get started. Cafe little, cafe three little birds. I like Everpress. Yeah, me too. I love the AeroPress. Uh, but that's because I'm a little bit lazy. Um, I'm actually purchasing uh, V60 because I'm receiving some amazing coffee uh, in the next coming weeks. It's a bit of a surprise what coffee is going to be. Uh, and I need something a little bit more delicate than AeroPress. Maybe I'll ask that question too to Simone. Hey, but here it is. Ah. Uh, I always wait for the show to drink my first cup of coffee, so I really need it and I'm gonna really enjoy it. Things he calls us. Good to see you again. 
Thank you all guys for coming around. Uh, today is another special episode. And uh, if you missed it, I'm gonna type down who we're talking to. And hopefully my spelling will be right. Ring. Uh, maybe we'll add a, a French flag and uh, ask your questions. Q and A. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's bring him on and uh, and ask any questions. Cheers from San Diego. Bonjour. <laughs> How's it going? Sorry, uh, I missed that. The connection must be a little bit lagging a little bit. That's all right. I mean, it oh. was fine for me. Okay, cool, cool. Hey, man, how you doing? Yeah, good, good. Well, I'm also having my first cup of coffee of the day. Oh, and I'm sure you recognize this mug. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw the mug. Yeah, good one. Very good one. I don't even have one. You should. Uh, I don't know if they still make them. Uh, it was when we, when Toby's launched the Mexican coffee, and funny enough, I'm drinking a Mexican coffee today. And I'm glad you got coffee because a lot of my guests, they probably had too much coffee through the day during the week, so they they don't have a cup of coffee. So we're actually having coffee together, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for coming. And first things first, you and your family are good. Family back in France, but you guys are good as far as the virus and all of that. Good. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, and well, I'm in Sydney, so Sydney is, is actually really good right now. So, yeah, good. 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 that's uh, number one, number one priority. Yeah. Um, Funny thing is, I actually managed to get out of France just before the well, in the middle of the outbreak, um, and I managed to catch a last flight out of France back to Australia. Otherwise, I would have been stuck in France for because you were there for the uh, French Brew Cup, Brewers Cup, yeah, competition, right. yeah, which which was cancelled eventually, but yeah, that's right. Yeah, 100%. Cool, man. Um, let's just get a keep going because uh, for people as well, we're going to tune in later and they're going to rewatch this. Um, how did you start your coffee journey all the way from France? Yeah, so I started brewing coffee at home. I think like a lot of people who start working in coffee. Um, I was enjoying drinking coffee and I was going to a bunch of cafes and sometimes I was getting coffee from, from these guys. So I was having, let's say, an Ethiopian on espresso and then trying to do the same thing at home. And for some reason, it was never really working. So you taste the coffee, you know, at your local cafe, you try to replicate the same thing and just, it just doesn't taste the same. And so it couldn't be the coffee because, because I was buying the same beans. So then I started, you know, digging a little bit into how to make a, a good cup of coffee. And that's how I pretty quickly realized it was really difficult to get information on how to make coffee. Uh, information online was actually really, it was all over the place. You had a lot of contra uh, contradictory information. So some people would say something and then other people would say the opposite. Uh, and it was really, yeah, really confusing. So as I finished my bachelor degree in business and management. I was preparing for my master degree. Um, I was going to Australia for my master degree and I decided to um, start working as a barista just to have a part-time job to get started. And eventually when I graduated, I just didn't want to work in consulting or work in strategy anymore. I just decided to uh, work in coffee. And like I said, 
I thought it was a big uh, avenue in education. Yeah, and and I think uh, a lot of us starts with that. Our journey starts with I need to make a little bit of money. That looks like the right way. Uh, baristas these days look also cool, so they might be able to have a bit of fun while they work. Um, and I suppose that when we're going to touch base on that later, I think that still your master degree and being a consultant uh, played in your favor as far as knowing how to teach, knowing how to consult uh, even coffee businesses. So I think that it comes hand in hand with what you do, um, and which is which is pretty cool. You know, you didn't study to become a doctor or a lawyer, and now you're a barista. That would be, you know, kind of very far from, from each other. Yeah. And, what, what were your steps in terms of your career? You started obviously from France and from there, where, where did you move on? Yeah, so I did a, um, I did actually a pretty long uh, course, a coffee barista course in France. It was like um, a two-week course. It was pretty intense. It was around 60, 60 hours of training, uh, which was really, really good. Uh, and then just after that, I went to Sydney and I started working in um, a local cafe near the city. And yeah, worked as a barista for a year and then moved moved back to Europe for uh, six months for studies and then worked in a specialty coffee shop in Prague and then back to Sydney. So I've, I've yeah, I worked for a few years as a barista and uh, took some head barista positions and then started doing um basically consulting for cafes because consulting was my sort of major um, in school. So that, that was something I knew how to do. Basically. Cool, man. And uh, yeah, and, and basically you just started learning, 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 studying, studying, studying. And uh, I also really like what you do on your Instagram. As you know, I'm in social media myself. So I'm all about content creation and I appreciate what you do. I think it's actually made your example yesterday talking to someone uh, on a private phone call because I think you just nail your niche. Uh, you know, you really, you know, I think with social media, it's really important to be uh, always on context. So your context is education and you just like, mm. whether it's in a funny way or more serious, it's always consistently around there, which I think it's really brilliant. Um, so who was, uh, I mean, surely more than one, but who was a strong and positive influence for your uh, coffee journey coffee career i suppose Oof, that's uh that's a good question I, I don't think it's one person in particular but there's there's a i mean a bunch of bunch of people i've met along the way i think um enthusiastic baristas um i've met a few coffee buyers a couple coffee roasters when i first started and just having a chat with a variety of different people that were so passionate about what they uh did it's actually really, I think, a trigger for me to change industry and to change career. Um, I think it's it's one of the few industries where you see people actually loving their job despite not necessarily earning a lot of money. Because um, to be honest, there's not as much money to be made in coffee than there is in finance, investment banking, or consulting. Like that's for sure. But still, people are pretty happy with what they do, and they, you know, they wake up early, they do long, they work long hours. Um, sometimes the job can be difficult, although it looks you know cool to be a barista behind a machine. Um, it's not an easy job, and yeah, people people seem to love it, and there's a huge passion. And these people inspired me to um, start working in coffee. Yeah, I think you you nailed it. Uh, I think that passion drives the baristas to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, yeah. uh, smash dockets all day, every day. Uh, 
and then after that, you know, they practice five, six hours a day, you know. I know, I know. well, we, we both know plenty of those people. And uh, I think passion is a core element. Uh, and, uh, you know, finance is great. Banking is great. Uh, I'm not sure how many of them, they are just as happy as, uh, as they would be by following their passion, which could be cooking, coffee, or pottery. You know what I'm saying? So it's very interesting. So you're a barista, Q-grader, trainer, consultant. Um, but what would you pick you know, in an ideal world, what would it look like your best possible job ever in terms of what, you know, that incorporates the core passion of yours? Is it more to do with people, more to do with roasting, more to do with competition or owning a cafe? Yeah, I think, I mean, like, like I said, education was what also got me into coffee. The fact that I quickly saw the gap in education. I, could, I quickly saw that there was a lot of things to be done. Uh, and I think this is this is 100% where um, I would want to see myself. So not necessarily, you know, teaching all day, every day, but, you know, being able to create content, being able to uh, convey that content out there and being able to make sure that more people have access to um, good ed educational content, making sure that more people can, you know, start working in coffee. Because it's still, it's still a real struggle for a lot of people around the world, um, you know, not just in Australia. All across Europe, I have people asking me, how do I get started you know, in coffee? How do I get my first job as a barista? No one wants to hire me uh, because I don't have experience and it's hard for me to find a proper training that would get me a job afterwards. So if I could do something that you know, solves this whole sort of equation, that would be my ideal job. Sort of like having a um, curriculum sort of degree that you do after um, high school, that would be coffee. So. You know, some people go to a law school, some people study architecture, you can go to a cooking school, or you could go to a coffee school where you spend, let's say, two years um, making coffee, learning how to operate a cafe, roasting, cupping. Um, I think if you studied coffee for two years full time, you would be actually really, really knowledgeable. And you probably have, you know, the skill set of someone who's been in the industry for many, many years. I think education is a powerful tool that can sort of um, boost your career really quickly. And that's something I would love to be doing um, in the future. That, that's, that's wonderful. And look, I, I think you're right. I think some people, some people are more hands-on, some people are more academic as well. So different things for different people. But yeah, there isn't out there necessarily a lot of, uh, a lot of what you just said. And during this live show, today's episode 16, which is crazy. We just started only a couple of weeks ago and we have amazing guests. And as, as usual, like, like yourself today, uh, a lot of people ask, um, how do I start? Um, how do I do latte art? How do I do this and that? My, my, general, my general advice, I suppose, or opinion is, in this day and age, everyone is a click or two away. Like, I think, find the mentors, find the people that inspire you, find the people that you look up to, flick them a message. Like, the worst, the worst case scenario is that they're not gonna even see your message because it's gonna be sitting in there, thousands of requests. Well, then send them an email or send an email to their major company. You know, like, you know, there's, there's guys that have reached out that I haven't, haven't responded yet because they have, you know, a million plus followers and, you know, as if they're going to see my message, you know, but that's okay. Um, so I think finding the right mentors in your city or, you know, the next suburb or the next city is definitely important. And uh, even reaching out people, people like yourself, I mean, you know, sometimes... 
you might be saying, hey, look, I actually just released a video last week about how to uh, brew a V60, just go and check it out, you know, and then and that could be just it. Now, I think, yeah, I think you're onto something uh, because we know that there's, there's uh, without getting in trouble, but there are a lot of barista courses out there um, and I've seen lots of customers who would come to me and say, hey, I've done a barista course and I'm like, okay, um, yeah. we, know, we know which ones are. Um, now, a big shout out to Nick Ray. I saw that he's in the house. He just say hi. So, hey, Nick, if you're still hey, watching. Uh, I mean, hey, everyone, but Nick is a head barista at Tubbs Estate where uh, I used to work and Simon is currently working. Uh, we kind of go there in a bit. Um, so as far as competition go, what's your current goal or wh where, where do you see you going? Because you just obviously French uh, Brewers Cup just, uh, you know, was yeah, called yeah, off. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, it, that was going to be my first uh, SCA competition. So I had been preparing for this one for around 10 months, uh, almost full year of, of preparation. And unfortunately it was, well, not canceled, but sort of postponed to later this year. So we'll see when, when this is taking place. Um, but I actually really enjoy the whole process of preparing for a comp. Um, I really enjoy the, like what happens behind the scene. I think being on stage is also some, definitely something that I, I would enjoy doing. Um, I love competing in general, not just in, in coffee, but I, yeah, I just like the process in the sense that it sort of pushes you uh, you push your boundaries, you push your knowledge. Um, you're always constantly trying to learn new things, unlearn. And I actually really enjoyed um, having to forget any everything about uh, everything I thought I knew about filter coffee um, a year ago, and having to relearn everything from scratch. So everything that I sort of took for granted, I had to unlearn it and then learn it again. Um, do a lot of experiments, and I think I mean going back to education. I think this is a great way to learn things. And I also saw education um, uh, competition for me. Um, I thought it was a good way to learn things, but also share things at the same time, which again goes back to that education side of things. It's yeah, a little bit like research and development in a, in a company. A lot of, I mean, there's a few coffee companies that see coffee competitions as research and development. So it's, you know, it's a way to work on a new grinder or maybe work on um, new hybrid varieties of coffee or new fermentation techniques and that sort of stuff. Uh, and I think this is one of the things that pushes the industry forward. This is how we get, you know, new varieties every year. This is how coffee tastes better and better each year. Um, what seems to be lacking, though, with competition is how it translates to the general public and how it translates to the real world. And it seems that the gap between what you can get in a cafe and, you know, the coffees that you taste in competition seems to be getting bigger and bigger each year. Uh, and I think that's again, another gap that we could be trying to um, bridge through education. 100%. And I love what you just said. And uh, I'll go back to my questions in a second because there's a, there's a question from the, from the viewers. But yeah, competition, the gap between competition cafes is big. Um, I do see certain moves and certain uh, trends that, are, you know, we're, we're kind of getting closer and closer. Like, for example, I've chatted with three amazing um, uh, females uh, baristas and um, you know like for instance the competitions have enabled more and more girls and women into coffee so I think that's you know growing as well like yesterday I was with Nicole Butterfeld I spoke to 
um, Andrea Allen uh, not, not long ago, GB, um, and, you know, Aga tomorrow, um, all these amazing girls. So I think, you know, when more and more educators like yourself start competing, we'll also create a platforms for you to expand your movement. Just look what happened with South Korea uh, and the trend of being a, a barista, you know, just, just, you know. So I think that it's a slow pace, uh, but yeah, you, you're 100% right, man. I, I like what you said. Um, now, uh, here is, hi, Simon. Sir, can you share me some, your secret param parameter for espresso? Oh, this is a broad question. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a, it, is a, it is a broad question. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any secret recipe um, for coffees and parameters like you may call. Um, the way I usually see recipes for espresso and filter is that it doesn't work for every coffee. Um, and a recipe here in Sydney might not work in Melbourne. It might not work in, in Seoul or Tokyo or wherever. I think what's really important is to be able to have a starting point and navigate as quickly as possible, which is called dialing in. Um, and so make a, make a coffee with a set of parameters and then how's that coffee tasting? What is it you don't like about it? And what is it you would want out of that coffee? I mean, assuming it's, it's realistic. Um, and, you know, what are the uh, variables that are going to change in your equation in order to get to that result? But again, there's no short answer to this. And I, I'd say it takes, it takes years and years and, and probably even decades to, to get to that point, you know, where you taste something and you're like, cool, I want to change this, this and that. And then this is the different parameters that I'm going to change to get to that result. So sorry, I'm not really answering the question, but I think it's, it's a difficult one. No, no, it's, 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 a, it's also, there's also a holistic or a more, um, I think also the answer, and it's something that we always go back to is um, at the end of the day, the, the best recipe is the one that you drink and you think you're really enjoying what you're drinking. Um, mm -hmm. I think ultimately you might be liking, I don't know, a lot of chocolate and bitterness I might be enjoying the more acidic, the better, you know, it's like uh, the Cardelli has a lovely t-shirt which says acidity is not a crime. But then you talk to uh, other major coffee people and they're like, nah, I, don't, I can't do acidity. And that's okay. You know, it's yeah. like, I like apples, you like pears. That's how it goes. But yeah, I think you're right. I think eventually, you know, after decades, as individuals, we'll get there to that parameter for ourselves as well, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's, a, um, it's a very good point that you brought um, with the, sorry, I'm just going back to this, with the, um, please. you know, the best recipe is the recipe that you enjoy. Um, I posted this thing, uh, this survey a couple of months ago called the Flavor Pyramid, asking people what sort of uh, flavors they prefer in coffee, and the, the answers were sort of, all over the place. I mean, there seems to be a consensus that people like red fruits and tropical fruits in coffee, but when it comes to chocolate and citrus, these are really polarizing. Some people think that chocolate in coffee is amazing. Uh, and some people think that if you're getting lemon and orange notes, it's not that pleasant. Um, and again, it just depends on what you want to get out of your cup. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a responsibility that we coffee professionals uh, need to bear in mind as well when we start also using very very and again it's it's a lot of marketing but when it comes down to tasting notes as well uh, just to make it a little bit more accessible i think 
we can start looking in that direction eventually in the future. I think that, you know, sometimes there's some words that uh, they are there, I get it, but I think, you know how you were saying about reducing that gap between where the competition is and is your average cafe? Uh, I think also in terms of tastes, to, to make it more accessible for people to be like, oh yeah, I do taste orange rather than uh, Jaffa cake or, you know, something yeah. uh, more creative, which again, uh, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's marketing, so they get it. Um, uh, here's another question. Uh, what do you think about steel filter in a step of others? Uh, I think referring to using stainless steel filter or felter, not felter. I'm not sure if you understand the question. No, it's, <laughs> yeah, um, I guess the question is maybe fil uh, stainless steel filter versus uh, paper, uh, yeah, paper filter. filter. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I've never really been a big fan of um, stainless steel filters just because they let, they let go through a lot of coffee oils and a lot of uh, very fine particles and it gives it gives a bit of a sort of um, dry mouthfeel, bitter taste, uh, and just not as not as clean, not as pleasant. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend using. Yeah, hundred percent. Thanks, um, Simone, and thanks for the question. Um, uh, now, now, she's closing it perfectly because it's uh, she. She said. It took me a lot of time to understand that it's all about what I taste I like most, which is perfect to close that topic. Um, going back to France, because you were there just a couple of months ago, um, France and Italy, as far as specialty coffee scene goes, are quite similar. Or, you know, the, you know, your traditional coffee, you know, it's like you guys got French press and then, you know, we got the mocha pot, but, you know, we, we know where it is. It's very... Uh, traditional, I suppose. How do you think that these two countries could move forward and advance and innovate? Um, I'm not super familiar with the specialty coffee market in Italy, but I'll speak for France because, I mean, I know Please. about this one. Um, I think the funny thing is, like you said, France and Italy has have sort of very... Well, their traditional way of drinking coffee is actually really similar. Uh, we have this tradition of drinking really dark roasted uh, Robusta um, that you get in cafes. You, know, you just get a, a quick espresso, one euro espresso at the, at the counter of a bistro, counter of a bar. Um, and at home, people make French press in France or they make mocha pot in Italy or vice versa. And the whole specialty movement is a lot of light roasted coffee, a lot of coffees that have um, brightness, acidity, which go, what, that's the complete opposite from what you know, the traditional coffee scene is like in, in Italy or in France with that smoky, bitter um, kind of coffee. So I think that we went way too far from what coffee was. Um, and if you want to make sure that, you know, specialty coffee, um, attracts more people I think you need to sort of go back a little bit where it was before to sort of capture that market because right now I think I think especially coffee in France is probably less than one percent of the market and you have more and more coffee shops and more and more roasters fighting for that one percent of the market so but instead of of trying to fight for that one percent 
you should just try to expand the pie and then just try to expand you know, your sort of potential customer base. So people who are drinking instant coffee at home or people who are buying these um, non-specialty commodity coffee um, and that, that they drink from um, at home. So I guess, I guess honestly, when I, when I went back to Paris uh, a month and a half ago this year, I was actually surprised to see so many uh, specialty coffee roasters roasting so light. Like everything I, I tasted was extremely light. And sometimes it was... For some of them, it was almost underdeveloped. Uh, it was really sour. It was grassy. Every, a lot of the coffees I tried were veg, uh, vegetal. And the funny thing is, I knew that some of, I knew some of these coffee lots because I, I tasted them in Australia from different roasters, and some of them were developed a little bit further, so um, darker roasted, let's say. And and yeah, I think I'm pretty sure if I if I gave one of these cups to um, someone in my family who's not necessarily uh, super into specialty coffee, but I like drinking coffee. Um, they wouldn't. They wouldn't enjoy it just because, you know. I mean, I think I think there's there's a sweet spot between something that's smoky and bitter and something that's vegetal and extremely sour. And I think this is how you can oh. sort of expand the market. Hundred percent. And I think uh, your answer goes hand in hand with uh, the concept that Alberto from Tostato Specialty Coffee in Italy is a shop in Brescia that I visited years back, and I had him last Friday. He, he has a similar concept, but it's more around service and the overall experience. So if someone wants their classic, you know, even though it's not one year in his shop, espresso, he has a little bit of a blend. It's a little bit closer, but it's all about the experience. So he, he developed and designed the shop for, okay, you want your at-the-counter espresso, go and see you later, which is more familiar with what you're used to. I'm not going to scare you with, siphons and error presses in your face but then in the back of the shop because it's like a l shape it's like you could go downstairs and it's more like a specialized areas where you get to see the all the tools you get to you know sit down at the bar where they brew filter in front of you so i think you're right i think i like the way they describe especially for the roasters because it's all about brand a lot of times and if someone's like wow i really like this brand they might get attached to a certain blend, but then eventually they might start exploring because we always look for something new eventually. And uh, if you just, you know, you just look at the big brands like Starbucks or Nescafe or uh, Nespresso, even they have like, you know, hey, we got the market because people are coming to us. What else can we do? Um, you know, and uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think your, your approach is... Yeah, what you said, yeah, maybe, yeah, tick the boxes in my brain. It makes a lot of sense for sure. I think, yeah, I I agree with um, the approach of this this cafe that you uh, that you mentioned. Um, it's really interesting that they did this because that's also something I've observed practically almost everywhere outside of Australia. Um, going into cafes, the workflow in cafes outside of Australia is actually horrendous. It's actually horrible, seriously. Like cafes are terrible at operating and no one is half as good as what Starbucks can be. I think, you know, you can, you can say whatever you want about Starbucks and yes, their coffee is shit and all of that, but they have 26,000 stores. The coffee tastes exactly the same everywhere. And these guys are extremely efficient. They can have, they'll have 10 times more customers um, per employee that, than a, you know, your average specialty coffee shop in a European capital. Um, and they'll be consistent and, they'll be quick, they'll be super fast. That's something I think that 
like you said, is very intimidating for the average customer who's not really used to going to specialty cafes. It's always like, okay, where do I order? Is it table service or do I order at the counter? Um, no one is, you know, no one's really looking after me because the barista is busy behind the machine. Um, who's on the floor and who's behind the machine? It's always really confusing everywhere you go in, in Europe. And I, that was the same thing when I went to the States. It was the same thing when I went to, um, in a couple of different countries in Asia. I've never seen, um, you know, a specialty coffee industry in a country that was as good as what Australia is in terms of standards and everything. Yeah, thanks, dude. That's that's resilient. And sorry, when you mentioned twenty six thousand shops, uh, the video just quickly froze. Did you mean uh, Starbucks? Yeah, Starbucks. Yeah, I think they have like twenty. <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty six thousand shops around the world. I think. And it's it's, I mean, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned Starbucks because. Uh, I think, I mean, I, I'm actually glad that you mentioned Starbucks. It's like a big taboo word between us versus them. But I agree with you. I First of all, uh, there was a time around Christmas period that I needed a spot with the Wi-Fi. And I like coffee at nighttime, very Melbourne. At 3, 4 p.m., everyone shuts. Um, so it was nighttime. I was desperate for a cold brew. I had a cold brew Starbucks. And, man, it was... I finished it, like, you know, like, yeah, I'm not embarrassed of anything. It tastes good. And they had Wi-Fi, and they knew what the consumer wanted. And it's funny how they went all the way to Italy a couple of years back to open a monster roastery yeah. reserve specialty in Milan. So it just goes and show that research development, research analysis, research the market aspect of it, where, like, wow, you know, they are doing kind of specialty coffee in Milan. So they obviously know that people will go to them because they're strength of brand. And then eventually, once you're in the door, they can sell, cross-sell, upsell, or suggest different beverages, which eventually they'll probably expand on their retail and e-commerce. because it's all, it's all interconnected, and that's what I love about these kind of big companies. Nothing is there randomly, you know, and, and you're right about service. And just to finish that off, because it's something that I've mentioned a couple of times and I like people to start rephrasing their shops or their mindset. I think sometimes with specialty, we're so focused in the cup or in the jug or in the technical uh, analysis or in the, in, in, in the tools and our eyes are 45 degrees angle downwards. Um, I think if we want to serve and offer a special product, to match that, we need to also, you know, offer a special service, a special experience. And that's why you go to certain fine dining restaurants and you pay $300 a head. But from the way they put the napkin on top of your legs all the way to how they pour water is very different than, you know, a fast food chain restaurant. So I think that to experience service needs to match the quality of the product. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for your um, yep. Thanks for your insights, man. That was great. There's, there's, there's a funny, I mean, not funny, but interesting figure I came across um, shortly after I got into coffee, which was, it was on the French um, coffee consumption market. And that figure was that only 20% of people who drink espresso actually enjoy it. Um, and so basically 20% of, of people you'll see in a, in a cafe actually go and sit down and have an espresso because they like it. Um, I think it was 40% do it 
for the social aspect of it. So just to meet up with a friend or something. And then 40% do it for the actual effects of caffeine on your, on your brain and body. So you only have 20% of people who do it because they actually enjoy drinking coffee and the rest do it for other reasons. And I think, like you say, if you just focus on what's on the cup, on the technicalities, then you're only sort of really addressing that 20% and you're forgetting about these 80% of customers. And I, I think that that number has always resonated in my head um, for a lot of you know decision-making in coffee. Like you put yourself that's, in your customer's shoes. That's cool. Like that's... See, I like I like you because you got all this uh, data that I, you know, like, because uh, you know, obviously, you, you do lots of reading, lots of research, uh, which which is great, and I and I really hope that the people are going to rewatch this, they're going to look you up and uh, come to you in terms of your social handles and uh, sort of start connecting with you because um, you offer lots of value on your page, and I really, I really. I really like to see people when they're a little bit more academic or they're really enjoying studying and learning because it's right the opposite of me because I'm just not made in that way. But that's okay. It's, that's why I appreciate yeah, it. Because, and, uh, and it's great, man. Um, so which brings me kind of to the next question, even though you certainly answered part of it, but for people tuning in, what's your mission in coffee? It's basically broaden that education aspect and making everyone happy and more knowledgeable, I suppose. That's what kind of you said. Yeah, I think, I think well, the mission is a little bit different from what I guess I have all the answers sort of going to be different from what I would love to do eventually. Um, but I think, I think that one of the reasons why I think education is so important to me is I think education is one of those things that um, can bridge the gaps between social inequalities and that's one of the things that actually um, I've always stood for in just in life and politics and, and all of that. I think that something that drives me crazy, drives me mental is uh, social inequalities that you may have between uh, populations within the same country or between countries. And I think education is one of the ways that you can empower um, a certain type of people to make sure that you can sort of reduce inequalities and give everyone the same chance to succeed in life in in their life in their career or whatever so that is sort of part of the the broader mission and it happens to that's, be in coffee so and that's beautiful and i think it's a great industry because pretty much i don't want to say a percentage but a large a large slice of the population can get a job as a barista it's not it's it's it's, it's accessible where you have coffee shops um as well as the internet. So the information is out there and uh, that's beautiful, man. Um, obviously, I think that, um, I mean, France is such a strong country, culturally speaking as well, when it comes down to uh, political matters and inequalities. And I think that it runs in your blood and DNA, which, which is fantastic. And Probably. where is coffee or food? No, but, but, but I think it's super, like, going back to context, man, like, it doesn't sound foreign to me. I mean, if you were uh, from a different country, like, oh, wow, okay, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Mm -hmm. um, not to say trees are better than others, but just to say, you know, you have it I in your blood you. and, and it fires you up and it gives you that thrive and drive for, hey, this is what I want to do. And it's really, really, really legit, man. Like, I like it. Um, um, <laughs> No, for sure. And well, 
Which brings to kind of the concept that we we're talking about before. If someone wants to get started because they, they don't have a job, they don't have a career, they don't have the opportunities to go to school and become a, a broker or finance or a banker or a doctor, um, how important is as well for yourself to surround yourself with the right mentors, you know, at top of the state. Um, and everyone is a mentor, I get that. But, you know, you go uh, Nick Ray, Josh, Charlotte, of course, and all the other people that you know in the industry, you know, like how, how important is even for professionals and for people who are just getting started to have the right mentors around you? I think that's the, I mean, it's, it's extremely, extremely important, of course. And that would be, that could be the difference between someone who, who grows up quickly in the industry and learns uh, faster than someone who doesn't learn as fast. Um, I think it's, it's always really important to surround yourself with, with mentors. I have plenty of people I, I look up to um, and I, you know, that I regularly touch base with um, on, on a bunch of different topics about coffee and plenty at Toby's Estates, uh, many overseas some there's some people i've never met physically that i you know talk to on instagram and like you said earlier we're just one or two clicks away um from from you know from anyone in the world and sometimes yeah some that person might not reply to your message but maybe you know i've had many friendships actually that emerge from me shooting a message to someone on social media or vice versa and i think that you know that's that's accessible to everyone and from my experience, most people would be really keen to share information and to share knowledge um, and just to yeah have a chat. Yeah. And, and going back to that fear of reaching out, I think that we are in such a right industry to actually reach out to strangers because that's what we do on a daily basis. A lot of baristas, a lot of coffee people, people into coffee, they are people people like we are in the people business and I keep banging us about it. You know, it's like we connect with people, whether it's for 30 seconds or for 30 minutes. Therefore, a lot of us are quite comfortable talking and meeting strangers because that's a core part of what we do. Whereas wholesale or whereas retail, it's all about strangers that then become friends and regulars. So it's, it's quite interesting all you know, that we are afraid to reach out to people who are in the same industry that actually get it and they're like, hey, it's just another person. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, we do that DM me. Time, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter who I am, what I've done, what you've done. Let's talk. Um, and that, that, was a, that was one of the concepts behind what I, this kind of show. And I hope that even after quarantine, when I'm going to go back full time onto my business, I'll still be able to do it on a weekly basis because that's exactly what I did with you. I say, yo, um, Sava, how you doing? Uh, <laughs> yeah. When I come on and chat, you know, like that's that's exactly what happened. Like it, uh, we never met. I've seen you around in comps, and now we can both put a name to a face, and we can meet. Oh, actually, we met briefly once at the Q Lab when you weren't working for Toby's, but very briefly yeah, you were. Two, two years. You were ago, slurping, yeah. so I was like, man, he's doing his thing, man. Like, um, so which which it comes down to what's. I think important for people to understand both in the shop and outside the shop in coffee is to sort of overcome their insecurities and uh, fear of judgment. Oh, baristas, it's not really seen as a job. 
you know, like, you know, like Nicole yesterday was saying this, is like, oh, no, like, what's your job? And when you tell them barista, they ask again. Um, I think that's where it stops a lot of people from reaching out to mentors or to get into the industries that insecurity and fear of judgment from friends and family. Um, how do you think is a good place or what do you think is a good thing to do to overcome this kind of road mental block? Yeah, I think it's, it's funny because I've, I've heard that thing a few times because, uh, well, I studied um, management and, and business. And uh, so I have a bachelor degree and two master's degree. And when I decided to not work in strategy consulting, which what which was what most, most of my friends did, uh, and started working in coffee, and I was a barista during my studies at the time, everyone's like, that's it? <laughs> You're going to make coffee for a living after two master's degree and a, and a bachelor degree. And, um, oh, hey, D-Train. D-Train just turned in. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, it's, it, of, of course, it's not a really good, it's not a great feeling when, when you hear that, but um, it's just up to, I don't know, I don't, I mean, I don't really have an answer to, or, or, a, or a tip to, to this, to counter this, but it's more like, I mean, you just got to do your own thing. And if you think that's the right thing to do, then, I mean, you should, why should you care about what other people think? Seriously, like if you're doing it for yourself and you're happy doing it this way, then that's great. Um, I think one of the important thing that um, could also change other people's minds in regards to, oh, you know, making coffee is not really a job or whatever, is um, finding, having a clear path in your mind of what you want to do in coffee. Um, what's your end goal? Do you want to be a roaster? Do you want to be a green buyer? Do you want to be, do you want to open your own cafe or whatever? And sort of try to figure out how you can make that work and how you can make a living out of it. Um, and yeah, because when, when I first, I mean, it's a funny fact, but when I first started um, my own business and started doing training and consulting, I was making, it was, it was working really well um, six months after I started it and I was making way more money than anyone of any of my friends who graduated from our school. And I was working in coffee. And, you know, I was occasionally making coffee on the weekend. And I was doing latte art sometimes. And, and you know, if you're, I think if you're doing something that you enjoy um, and you're somehow good at what you're doing, um, you know, doesn't really matter what, what you want to be doing. It doesn't really matter what the industry, if it's coffee, if it's, uh, if it's farming, if it's just anything, video games. Um, I have a few friends who you know were really into video games and are are they're professional um, video game streamers and and they make a shitload of money and they're having fun because that's what they want to do. So, you know, is that is that a real job to, uh, to to you know to play video games all day? And well, I mean, I think it's also a generational thing. I think it, it's also we're going to hear less and less in that because um, future generations are sort of used to that and the typical framework of you know getting a job, going to work, putting on a suit. I think that's, I think it's all gone now or, or it's slowly, yeah. slowly disappearing. Eventually, yeah, with the next two generations, there's always going to be less parents pushing towards that, hopefully. I really hope so. And it's funny what you mentioned because it resonated well with me. Uh, your mission was clear. My mission is actually, I changed my mission quite a few months back. Obviously, I run my business, uh, you know, I consult and I, and I run social media marketing for coffee shops, cafes, coffee roasters. And it's my passion because it's coffee, but 
I also realized that it's important for me in the world to help people to find their passion and their, and their, you know, really what they love. And whether it's one person or two or three, I'm happy. I really don't care, even if I do it for free. So I get what you're saying. I think a little tool that I just realized for some people in my work listening or to kind of rewatch this again or listen on the podcast, if you don't have that strong mindset like Simone had in terms of like not caring, um, I think maybe having people and really being engaged with the coffee community without having mentors, but you know, go out with five, six, seven other baristas, go out and do social events and, uh, and have a good time because those people are going to be constant reminder of your love and passion because they're going to tell a funny story. Uh, they're going to tell, Hey, I'm actually going to compete. And all of a sudden that was going to be refreshing. And it's going to be like, yeah, oh, I, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing it because of this community because of John that comes and grab a flat white every morning and on Monday tells me what he thought about the game of football. And because I see James, who is my coffee rep, and I really have a good time when I talk to him or her or whatever. So those constant reminders, I think, are essential to kind of overcome as well that, for sure. Um, so you can't let up his estate. And I know that we already nearly spoke for an hour, which is great. Um, and uh, thank you also for coming on, man. Um, so what's kind of next on Simon's planet? That's usually one of the questions that I want to leave with because it's a, it's a good question. I know there's COVID-19, uh, so there's a lot of things that you can't control, but what's next on you, on your planet? That's a, that's a very good question. I wish I, <laughs> I knew the full answer to it, but part of a... <laughs> Um, part of the answer is, um, well, definitely going to, I, I hope I can compete at some point, um, because I spent so much time preparing for it and I was so ready for, um, for the comp. So yeah, actually getting back to that once COVID is, is over, I hope that I can finally compete, uh, finally share some of the stuff um, that I learned along the way. So, um, there's a lot of things that I've been working on in, in, you know, at the same time in parallel uh, during uh, my comp preparation. And I sort of wanted it come to be over to sort of um, share a lot of this information with the rest of the world. And since COVID happened, I sort of uh, withheld and, and held on to that stuff. So waiting for this to be, well, waiting to compete. And also we have a lot of things happening at Toby's. Um, so I, that that's going to be one of my big, um, big focus in the, you know, in the near future. Things around education, uh, things around training, sort of things, uh, things happening. Nick is uh, head of coffee now, not just um, head roaster. And he's got like a lot of uh, amazing ideas, a great vision, um, which I really align uh, on with him. And I think, yeah, just, just being able to pursue that mission and yeah. Cool, I think I think I don't need to say it, but you got the right mind frame and framework uh, around you that in terms of I'm sure that whatever you're next uh, you're gonna really make it uh, from from this little interaction um, and, you know I can, I can sense it and uh, I also think the way that you project yourself and you present yourself is also quite um, your style and unique so 
I can almost see you competing, uh, even though in every senior routine, uh, I can really see that uh, um, on a visual. Look, hopefully you'll be able to compete. Um, I don't know where and when and how it's going to happen. Uh, someone asked me the other day, how do you think it's going to be the, the future or near future comps? And I said, look, maybe they'll have to do it on an almost virtual level where maybe they just do a huge live stream with all the channels, SCA and ASCA. And, uh, you know, the judges are there at two meters of distance and you're actually brewing the yeah. coffee there. But uh, maybe without the big crowd, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully we, don't, we won't get to that level and we'll just re-enjoy our show. Speaking of which, if you're coming down to MICE, which you probably are, if it's still happening, but I really hope to, to see you and meet you there and grab a coffee together. I say that to everyone because one of my major purpose of this is also meeting you guys in real life because we have those events where we got that chance as well. So um, yeah, I'm all about that. As yeah. said, um, so if, if MICE is taking place, um, well, this year, I guess. <laughs> we'll see about right. that. But yeah, definitely, like, definitely, yeah, definitely we'll, we'll catch up in, in Melbourne. Normally, when, when COVID is not around, I probably go to Melbourne every month or two. So, yeah. Good. Um, well, speaking of which, um, what, what was your, uh, I mean, last or latest coffee that you drank in Melbourne? Or what was the last thing that impressed you about Melbourne? Just because... I always like to see it from someone that comes in Melbourne because we, maybe not myself, but a lot of us give for granted lots of things that we have. Um, and I know yeah. Sydney, Sydney is huge in coffee. We've been in Sydney for business many times last year, and it's incredible, especially certain suburbs. But what's something that impressed you or that left your last Melbourne trip and you're like, oh, wow, okay, um, I like that? Yeah, I think last time I went to Melbourne, what stroke me really was how many people drink filter coffee uh, as opposed to you know flat whites and cappuccinos in sydney so how many people have moved to black coffee uh, the options that you get in batch brews filter coffee but also how knowledgeable this staff is pretty much everywhere um, i've had you know i've had breakfast and brunch in, in a few places and and the waiter the waitress there whoever was attending the table knew so much about coffee as in uh, knew about origins, different varieties, different processes. Um, I asked what coffee was on, on the batch brew today. And, and I remember this girl gave me um, three different op options with different processes. And she didn't take for granted that, that I knew about coffee. Uh, so she explained, she very briefly um, and efficiently explained, you know, the three different processes. Uh, so wow. honey, natural. And I was, I thought it was an amazing customer experience. And cool, I think that's, that's what I get in Melbourne pretty often. I think that the customer, customer service is actually really good. It's pretty friendly, uh, but it's also really professional. Like people know what they, they're talking about uh, while still being, you know, pretty easygoing, like very cool, Aussie style. Yeah. I think it's a good reminder. And uh, well, probably for someone like you that appreciate education and knowledge, that was probably a huge highlight. Thanks, man. So that's good. good man. Um, <laughs> um, for me, I'm, well, well, just answering that before, it's, you know, a minute and a half and Instagram will shut it down. And, uh, but um, I've really enjoyed coming to Sydney last few times because I got to see about 50 to 60 coffee shops in less than a week. Um, and um, look, 
I know it's going to be sound cliche, but really I was impressed with Merrickville um, and another few suburbs. I think the variety and options and even having lots of guest origins, it was like, wow, this is Sydney. Jeez, cool. Like, yeah. I, felt, I really felt like I was in certain Melbourne parts. So I'm not snobby about Melbourne. I think that Melbourne and Sydney, and forgive me each, <laughs> each of them, I think they're quite on path. Uh, maybe Melbourne food is still a little bit more Better. like – you know, has a better average food, more, you know, maybe, but maybe, yeah. coffee-wise, it's getting there, man. I think, I think um, Sydney really caught up over the last two, two to three years. I think Sydney four years ago wasn't what it was, uh, what it is today. I think in, yeah, maybe two years, it sped up really, really quickly. Now it's sort of like on par with Melbourne, I think. It fired up, yeah, for sure, man. Um. I'm always scared about Instagram because I only give you 30 seconds notice and it hasn't popped up yet, but I'm sure it's coming soon because I'm looking at the clock. But um, the stage is yours. Is there anything that you left off the table that you want to share or say or a last message, please? Um, yeah, I guess I guess going back to going back to coffee education for, for anyone who's uh, watching this afterwards who just tuned up, um, I think, like you, like you mentioned, I think that's a great advice. If you want to... If you want to learn more about coffee, if you want to make it, make a career out of it, um, I think the best thing is always to just reach out to people, just speak to everyone. And it, that can just be your, you know, the barista at your local cafe can be the, the owner of that coffee shop. Um, but just, I mean, like you said, it's a social business. And if you're just staying by yourself in your living room trying to make coffee, um, it's probably not, you know, going to be very efficient. And yeah, just speaking to everyone. I think that's that's how... That's probably the best uh, best advice I can I can give in terms of um, learning quickly. Thanks, man. Um, very grateful and uh, very blessed to have you on. Thank you for investing and giving us an hour of your time. Merci beaucoup. That's pretty much all I know. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Thanks for us. Uh, say hi. Say hi to Charlotte. Um, I'll, I'll actually. She hasn't booked a time yet with me. Maybe she gets too many messages, but maybe hopefully we'll get her on board too. Uh, say hi to Nick, say hi to the boys and girls that um, are still working there when I was working there. Um, I wish you all the best. Enjoy the weekend because I'm sure you're still working. And uh, stay safe, uh, my friend, and we'll Thanks. meet you soon. Thank you, you for too. coming, man. Thanks for hosting. Ciao. Thank you. Ciao.